Hello all, this is Blonde Haired Girl. I was once again reminded of somebody who I admire, Ram Das. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. Ram Das, Das. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. I'm so sorry, I'm butchering his name. Uh, I, I, he passed away a year ago today or maybe two years ago today, but today was the day that he passed out of his body. But I was I was actually thinking about him today because he had this absolutely like true statement. And he said, if you think you're enlightenment enlightened, if you think you are enlightened, go home and visit, stay with your family or visit with your family. I don't I can't say it verbatim, but it is so true. <laughs> oh my god. And you know, and it's not it's not I'm 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 trying to figure this out. I'm trying to figure something out. I I'm 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 seeing the idea that I am the common denominator in all of this. So in, 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 in the things that happen in my life, the way that I am reacting to the people in my life, I am the common denominator. And, and I, think, I think of this as a generality. I think of this as a generality, but I'm going to speak about it in particular with my family because in some ways it kind of seems like when I it's this time of year again and there is this expectation that I am going to spend time with my family I go into this role and 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 so like I go through my life when I'm when I'm not with my family <laughs> and and I talk to them to each of, of them that I'm speaking of my extended well and kind of even my closest family which I consider my children but and then I've got my extended family as in my sisters their husbands nieces nephews great nieces and great nephews um and so I'm I'm What's, what ends up happening is, is that they will say something and, and it just stings to me. Like, it really stings me. Like, and I'm just like, okay, so how do I deal with this? And so I'm observing it and I'm seeing it. And it's like that comment kind of stung like did not feel good to me and I'm looking at it okay so I'm looking at it I'm analyzing I I have indeed become the observer in my life I'm not I'm not somebody who like has things go unconscious like I am conscious and I'm and I'm paying attention and somebody said something they were not in any way shape or form intending 
to send any ill comment to me whatsoever. It wasn't even a criticism. It was just a, it was just, um, it was just telling the truth about something. And it was so, in some ways, silly that I was so affected and I, and it didn't really last very long because I was very conscious of it. But I started to think about it. I'm like, what is that? What is that little and and it has to do with this is what I think it has to do with is is seeing through a lens. And and I was raised in a way that I have a whole lot of bogus beliefs. A whole lot of them. These bogus beliefs about things. And 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 they're just they're just all over the place. Like I don't know, my self-worth being in things that my self-worth should not be in. And I cannot be alone. I don't know that I'm alone in in these observations or in these feelings about things. And so, because I started to think, you know, that like in wondering if I should talk to this person and tell them how their comment made me feel. Because I think that that I may not be the only one that the way that she says things can be perceived as hurtful, even though I know that she is not meaning to be hurtful. It's sort of like, like people in different parts of the country, you know, like, you know, like people in New York, you know, they just supposedly, I don't know if any of this is true, but supposedly that's just the way they talk. They just talk a certain way. They just, they're very bold and honest and, and kind of brash. They can be not all of them, but some of them can be, and they just have a way of communicating and, and to an outside person, it can sound like hurtful and they're not meaning to be hurtful. They don't know they're being hurtful. This is the way we always talk. So I don't understand like what is, you know, and so, but then there is this also this way of communicating that really is hurtful. If a person is like critical and they just have to put in that little dig they just have to. They can't stand it. They can't not do the dig. In this sense of, of right, rightness that I've talked about over and over and over again. <clears throat> and so what I'm noticing is, is that, that I, I have a certain lens that has something to do with that I am, am putting an overlay that, that my interactions with my family members are going to be challenging. 
I'm not like, I'm not doing this on a conscious level. I'm doing this on an unconscious level. So I go into the conversation knowing, guarded, knowing that this particular conversation may really upset me to one degree or another and just having to deal with it. And, and, and then should I ever like really talk to somebody about their communication style and suggest to them the way if they spoke to me in this slightly different way that our communication would be better. And, and it sort of depends on who the person is. You know, um, <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> like if the person were like, like my life mate, you know, I might have that conversation. You know, if, if this person's like, like communication style was sometimes cutting to me, I might actually have the conversation with them. You know, I know that you're not like intending to do that, but this is the way it feels to me. Like, how can we come to some, some understanding about it, you know, so that it will be, mutually satisfying for both of us. <laughs> but along with all of this, I have this other thing going on. I mean, the holidays are really, really challenging for me to one degree or another. Like the years that have gone on, I have had some exceptionally good good holidays. And then I've had some like not so good holidays. And I'm not, and I think that it may have to do partly with just expectations that I had talked about in my last podcast. Like, but I, I, I mean, Christmas, New Year's, all of it. I mean, I think Christmas more than New Year's because New Year's is a little bit, you know, just a fun day, um, it doesn't have the same level of, of expectation. But they're just fraught with all kinds of expectations. And, <laughs> and so <clears throat> I, I went to see my personal trainer this morning. And, and so, and I was doing these exercises and I don't know that I'm, I don't know if I'm progressing or I'm not, I don't know really how, um, how things are going. Like I, I'm, and, but I know that I am, I am, like in full-blown relapse of my body dysmorphia. And I, and I just, I just have to say this. I just, because I, I did not know that I necessarily had a problem. I mean, I didn't, I, I had, I had gone, I had really gone, gotten to a place in my life where I really loved myself just loving my body and accepting my body wherever I was at, whatever size I was wearing. Um, 
And I'm, I just have had like a full stop relapse. And I think part of the reason why is because I have this expectation because I am putting extra efforts into this and I have, I've started doing weightlifting and different types of exercises along with my cardio. And so I have this expectation that I'm, my body is going to be responding to that. And, and, and when I went into this, I actually like, I don't know, in some ways I felt better before I started. I started with the personal trainer and, and, and I told you all about it in my podcast, Smoking Hot. Because I wanted to like really feel good in a bathing suit, basically. That was the underlying reason for why I decided to get with a personal trainer. And I feel like since I have gotten with her, in some ways, I've tanked. I have, I have, I, I don't know that it's actually, uh, there, but there's other things too, though, because when I actually go, like I met with her today and I felt great. Like when I, because she really does kind of push me and every single time I go with her, she gives me something different. Well, I only have one more session with her and then I have to decide if I'm going to continue and at first I thought I might, but I'm not sure that I'm going to because I feel like I'm getting worse. I really do. Not that I don't want to continue to do the exercises that she's asking me to do, but I feel like it's, it's, uh, and I will, I, I'm pretty, I'm fairly, I'm a fairly disciplined person but there's been this other thing that I've been doing that I haven't that I haven't done in years and I have been like binging on things like um really unhealthy foods like and just binging like like eating I don't know um like candy like not necessarily candy but in particular like chocolate I've just been and this is like, I haven't done this in years. I, I'm talking years. And the reason why is because sugar in particular really affects my mood. Sugar is actually really, really bad for us. It is not a good thing for us to eat. It's not. And so I'm... I'm, and I've been like binging and I don't know what's going on. I don't know why, you know, I, I mean, I'm watching it and I'm like doing it and then I'm like, and I feel like I have more control than I am exhibiting. <clears throat> I, I, <laughs> I 
I God, you know, I just hate to like really like some things I just hate admitting this. You know, and it's like because I really feel like and I'm I'm just gonna like say this that I feel like in the in the quote unquote spiritual community that that there is this expectation of me or of spiritual people that that they are going to be in such a spiritual advancement that they are never ever ever going to slip back into like old patterns or old you know and you know I the truth is is that, and I always tell you guys the truth, except I don't always tell you everything. (laughs) I don't. I leave stuff out. But I feel lonely sometimes. I do. I'm, and this time of year, it is worse. It is worse. It is, It is, it is challenging, like, to go through, like, like, so say that there is this, like, holiday, you know, okay, so I don't even know how many days. So say you've got three days, you know, uh, like, before Christmas, Christmas, and after Christmas. So you got three days. You know, like, if I get three hours with my children, and then, like, you go through, like, all of these hours, and yes, I can go visit my extended family and this and that. But I am, I am year after year after year, I go through this holiday alone. I do. I don't even really have a whole lot of friends. I don't. Um, my friend, one of my dearest friends is coming into town. I think we're going to be going out for New Year's and I'm really excited to see her. Uh, but like, I don't have very many friends. Like I don't have people to like, just hang out with, to hike with, to do things with. I don't. And, and like, and then it's been just a huge loss with my mom because I used to call my mom a lot. And we used to just talk for hours, just about everything. We would talk about just everything. I mean, under the sun. And she's not here. And so, and so are we to be full up? And I'm, and I'm, you know, it's like, I know, I know it's like, you know, oh, be full up with God, you know, and, and, you know, do, you know, I know it's like, I don't know how to describe this exactly, but it's like, I'm I'm not asking for advice. It's like, I, I know, you know, it's like, I'm just expressing. I'm just saying that is there this expectation that if a person is in any shade of enlightened, 
that they are never going to be lonely ever. That they're never going to have a need ever again. They're never going to have a desire ever again that is not met. That they, they're going to trust in every given moment of their life. I mean, they're going to be in like this perfect state of bliss day in and day out every day. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And I find that sometimes, you know, people in my life who I absolutely adore, but if I share this like so much of my content, I am just expressing. I am just toying with ideas. I'm, I'm talking about a process and I'm talking about colossal fails and I'm talking about gains. And in this process, and, and it's just like, I just honestly don't really like this time of year. I really don't. I I don't know. Maybe I like Thanksgiving better or I like, but even then, you know, it's like just trying to get people together can be just a nightmare. It's just like, and I just feel like, why bother? Like, why bother? Why try to like squeeze into this box of some kind of conformity that it has to be this way? It Like whatever that is, you know? the Christmas cards. (laughs) And then I'm going to move on to something else and then I'm going to end this podcast. (laughs) I was in this, um, this bookstore in the town that I live in. Um, there's this, there's this guy that owns like one of my the my favorite I used to go into this establishment a lot. I would go in a lot. I mean, I I wrote nearly Mystical Summer. I nearly wrote that whole book in this particular um pub in the town that I live in. Well, he he not only owns that pub, but he also owns a bookstore. So I go into this bookstore to buy um, my great nephews and niece some presents. And I'm all excited and I'm, I am just losing my mind because these books are amazing. They've got like some of the greatest like books like I wanted them. I'm <laughs> just like, oh my God, I was losing my mind. I'm like, this is amazing. Um. But I just got to thinking about about that I've really been avoiding, not necessarily this bookstore, but I've been avoiding that pub because I just, I got like the weirdest vibe during this pandemic or seeming pandemic. I got the weirdest vibe. I I just like, it was like, I didn't want to go into establishments that 
seem to have like this fear. And and it was really, really strange in the town I live in, there's there's this thing going on. There's like two different avenues. There's this this side where um they are extremely liberal. And so it's almost as if you don't come in here without a vaccine. Okay? And then you have this other side that something like hello or goodbye Brandon. I can't, I'm not going to say it right because I, I'm not that familiar with it except that it's supposed to mean F you Biden. It's, there's a whole story behind it. But they're starting to say that they are not going to sell things to people who are liberal. And so I, I'm just and I'm just watching this and it, and it has been the weirdest thing for me because I have ran liberal for 20 years of my life. I or longer, I'm not sure, maybe even be more, but I have been liberal. I I I changed party lines like 20 years ago. And, but now I really don't identify with the Democratic Party almost at all. I mean, like, I'm just starting to see all of these things, but I can't see myself ever as a conservative, as a, as a Republican. I don't see myself ever being a Republican as long as I live, but I also don't see myself being a Democrat is as long as I live. There, there's some stuff going on. It's like I'm, I'm really starting to see how, how we, we are herded into, like herded into these ways of thinking, and and believing things. Like whether they're true or not. Like I was listening to this entire dialogue today, which I I absolutely would love to do a podcast on. And a lot of my material is based on my experience. Some stuff I've I've learned from other people or this or that, but but a lot of times I played with that idea in my own experience before I talk about it. But but this is a topic that I that I've actually given a lot of thought to. And that is the disparage between male and female um income. And so and I and I am not I don't even know if I would call myself a feminist. I'm not a feminist. I'm not I would not call myself a feminist. I really don't relate to hardline feminists. I don't. I don't relate to them. And so, but I also, and I really like men. I really like men a lot. I I had a really, really great dad. And so I'm not one of these people that has like really, really extreme negative views about men. I don't understand them all the time. 
especially men that I'm, you know, like they I'm involved with. I'm just like, oh my God, what? Anyway, <laughs> because our brains are so different. Um, but anyway, um, but anyway, so they were talking about this disparage, like this supposed disparage between, I hope I'm saying that word right. I don't know if disparage is even a word. So forgive me if I'm not using the English language properly because I love words. Oh my God. I love words so much. Anyway. (laughs) Um, but, um, they were talking in this, I was listening to a YouTube today about it, where they were talking about how this guy who had been a feminist, he did this like 10 year study on, on income, like salaries between men and women. And, and he found that there were like 25 different factors. And he said, and, and none of, and only one of them was what was like just basically just discrimination. The other ones were all these different, like, and he said some things that really made sense to me. He talked about how men are more likely to take jobs where their life is at risk. He did. He said that. Like like firemen, um, people working in a mine, um, uh, working on oil rigs. He talked about these people in like northern Canada and they would go out and they would um, in the freezing cold and they would lose limbs because it was so cold. And so they're more likely to take um like harder jobs that would, that they should be paid more because they're risking their life to do it. And that also that just based on, on interest that women are more interested in taking jobs that are nurturing. This is what he was saying. Like they're less likely to take a job, um, in, in something like, um, engineering per se like engineering or I don't know. Anyway, so basically they were saying that 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 they are more likely to take a, like a teaching job and they talked about preschool teachers, which is a whole bugaboo for me. I do not understand how we as a society can pay people less than we would somebody who works at McDonald's. And, I'm, and I don't say that as a negative, but I'm just using it as an example. To watch our vulnerable children, our infants, babies that are six weeks old. These people are shaping our children's brains. They are growing brains. And, and, and our children will be forever changed or forever, they are forming the way our children will be in their future. And a lot of these people are overworked and underpaid and undervalued and treated very badly. What do you do? I'm a preschool teacher. Oh. And I partly know this because I was. I was a preschool teacher. I was an infant teacher. And I took great pride in my work. I was, 
I loved my babies and I hugged them and I fed them and I rocked them and I sang to them. I sat on the floor with them and I talked to them and played with them. And I was immersed in their, you know, for the first year of their life. And I can't even tell you how excited I was to graduate them to the next class because they were so amazing by their own, their own potentiality, but also by the fact that they were with me oftentimes 40 hours or more a week. They were with me almost as much as they were with their parents. I'm just saying. Okay. That was my little aside. So let me get back to. (laughs) But one of the things that I feel like they didn't talk about in this YouTube that I was listening to was the social, the socializing of women, especially by the churches. I'm going to say by the churches in particular, by churches and by society. But I really feel like it's more so the churches to, to basically we are geared at very, very young ages. And I know this is, this is partly primal. I mean, it is. I had taken this animal behavior class that was like, I learned so much in this class. I really enjoyed it. And he was talking about, about the importance for women to, to get the best mates to not only like, like, like have the best genetics for their babies, but also to have the best mate for the best resources with which to care for the offspring. I started to notice the way girls were at very, very young ages. I was stunned at how they acted, even kindergarten, first grade. They were already starting to get like weird about clothing and weird about their hair and 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 competitive with each other. I was like and then I just I just started to notice and just to like observe and think, you know, this is primal. They feel like they have to be a certain way to attract the best mates. <clears throat> And so I can say, I can say that it, that it, to some degree, what these people in this YouTube were saying is kind of true in the sense that, that, that women, like we are, you know, there's this primal need to be attractive to men for the best genetics and the best resources with which to bear children. Because our investment in those children 
is so much more than the man. So sorry. This sounds really terrible, but it's true. Because we, the toll that it takes on our body. <clears throat> the bearing of children and, like, and pregnancy and the toll that it takes on our body. And then when a baby, you know, it's like <clears throat> I was continuously in a situation where I was the breadwinner. I, I like throughout, like, like nearly the whole time that I was raising my kids. I mean, there was, there was a period of time. Actually, it was actually a very, very short period of time because it like, it was a short period of time. But anyway, throughout my children's life, I spent a whole lot of time single And I had to make choices. And I remember, like, even when my children were very, very young, I made choices to have careers where I could mother my children. I could continue to be, like, active in their life. So it was more important for me to make sure that I was present for my children than than to make a lot of money. And so, (laughs) and so the jobs, you know, would be a lot of times, like you think about a teaching job, it's like the perfect job for somebody who wants to be present in their children's lives. I mean, like you can't, like that's ideal, isn't it? And so, So I just, I, and I don't know, this, the, the guy who was talking about this didn't really get into this actual part of it. But one thing I can tell you, and, I'm not, and, I, and I just have to mention this because I just think it's interesting that men don't have to consider this as much as women do. Because women are generally the primary caretaker of the children. Whether they want to be or not. And so, and so every single baby that a woman has sets her back at least five years in the workforce. At least five because, I mean, the most that you're, that you're, I mean, to actually, it's challenging. Because I don't have anything against working moms. I really don't. In fact, I, I had a job, like, even when I didn't necessarily have to have one, I always had a part-time job because I, I really had a hard time just, just, being a full-time mother and I and I apologize for that but it's just the truth. I it was better for me to have somebody care for my children whether it be their dad or whether it be a a babysitter. My children were never in childcare. They they either were with their dad or they were with friends or they were with um a in-home childcare provider. 
they were never in like a child care center. <clears throat> and so and so when I hear of these men who like like and they are just so how do I word this without I mean they are very very driven and they are very very you know how do I word this like not boastful but like not prideful but like you know they're just they're just like and they they talk about their their accomplishments see all that I've accomplished and and there's been this like just this little just part of me that has been you know especially the ones that are dads like not necessarily the ones that aren't dads but the ones that are dads I always have this you know like thank the woman that is taking care of your children so that you can go out and excel because I didn't have that option I mean I didn't it wasn't like I was just gonna like it wasn't like that their dads were gonna like just just step up and say oh go to work and I'll and I'll take care of the children. That wasn't ever going to happen. I mean, I didn't have an option. I was going to be the primary caretaker of these children. And so I had I had to to so I didn't have the same same options like somebody has to take up that gap. Because, and I mean, they really do. Raising a child takes an exorbitant amount of energy to raise a child like that is a functioning adult who is going to have even remotely a happy life. I work with families all the time. That's what I do. I work with families and, and, you know, and in some ways I just kind of know too much, like, you know, and I'm talking about attachment there and they're looking at me cross-eyed, like, what are you, where are you going with this lady? And I'm just like, you know, because it's the foundation for everything, is this attachment, this really good relationship with at least one caretaker and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a parent but it's nice if it is this is a life we're talking about (laughs) how did I get on this topic (laughs) anyway I don't even know what what is this podcast about oh god I was talking about Christmas, and then I got on to, I was actually talking about politics. And, and the way that this relates is, so you've got your, your like, and I would say, like, your feminists, who are pretty driven, and who are, who are, you know, I'm not going to say they're like anti-mother, but but then you've got your like conservatives who a lot of them are 
are stay-at-home homeschooling moms now. Like, like it's almost as if this, this issue is going along political lines. And, and, like, and then you've got your conservatives, like Christians, who would, you know, are really adamant against divorce and single parenthood. And then you've got your your liberals who are like, it's better for a child to be in a loving, broken home than a dysfunctional, you know what I mean? Like, you've got this, like, dichotomy going on. <laughs> and, like, I'm seeing it in the town I live in. And, and you know, I found this utterly fascinating so I'm in the bookstore and my niece tells me that my oldest great nephew, he loves sports. He's really, but he's mostly into football because he plays football. He's actually a very, very good football player. And I remember this kid like throughout his life, like, and, and I've actually watched Super Bowls with him and he knows so much about football. I'm not kidding. I'm not, I would not be surprised if this child, you know, went pro football. I wouldn't, not, not at all. I would not be surprised. And, but there was not one sports book appropriate for a 10 year old in this entire bookstore. Not even one. There was no like go Cardinals. There was no, there was no, like, there was nothing. Not even like really, like, like even adult, like sport books, like nothing. And I thought that was so weird. Because this was going along also with these, like, like, I don't know. It's almost as if conservative. God, guns, and football. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Am I wrong? I don't know. And then you've got your liberals over here. And I don't know. Are liberals like hugely into sports? I mean, I'm sure some of them might be, but I just thought it was fascinating I mean, they had the classics and they had cookbooks and they had like, um, oh my God, they have this comic section that I just, I was losing my mind. But what I really was getting into was graphic novels. Oh my God. I was just losing it with some of them. They were beautiful. Um, And so they've got a lot of really unusual type books in there, but... (laughs) God, guns, <laughs> and football. Ah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go. I appreciate you listening. And I will be back with other ideas. And that's a wrap.